we are wired for worship. I mean, deep in our DNA is a desire to worship. In fact, it's one of the reasons we were created. And we've been talking about this thing called worship. Uh, Talked about the fact that if we devote ourselves to worship, something happens. I mean, worship changes us. It it marks us in a significant way. Last week, uh, David shared with you the importance of worshiping when you're in a crisis. And today what I want to look at is worship when you kind of lack spiritual passion. You know, uh, spiritually you feel kind of dry, disconnected. You don't feel very close to God. In fact, your heart, if the truth be known, is kind of cold. You're empty inside. And I want to tell you, it is a season we all go through. I've been through those seasons. You know, David said in uh, Psalm 71, he says, Oh God, do not be so distant from me. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like God's really far away? You know, you you have that dry spell, that spiritual slump, maybe you want to call it. Um, What you need to know is that's not a salvation issue. Okay, it's not about being lost or whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, The fact is, it's about losing your joy, your enthusiasm, your your happiness, your your peace, your, your confidence that you have in life. I mean, when you don't feel close to God, when you feel dry and empty inside, one of, one of the primary reasons for that lack of spiritual passion or octane in your life is that you get in a spiritual rut, literally, when everything in your life is very predictable. You know, when uh, routines or rituals, if you'll call them that, kind of replace your relationship with God. You know, you go to church because, why? It's time to go to church. And so we go. We read our Bible, but we're just kind of going through the motions because we know we're supposed to. You know, you pray the same prayers over and over. You sing the same songs. And if you were honest, when you're done, you can't remember what you read what you said, or what you sang. And and there's this disconnect. It's like the the wires have been fried. It's like that that stuff that used to ignite you, it's kind of lost its hold on your heart. Everything, spiritually, is very predictable. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when you feel like that, when you feel disconnected from God, when you've kind of lost your your spiritual vitality, Uh, you've lost your your cutting edge in in life? You know, there's a great story in the Old Testament. Uh, It's a little bit of a bizarre story, but 2 Kings 6, it's the, the miracle of the lost axe head. You know, it's a story that's full of all kinds of uh, spiritual truths, and You've got this group of prophets. In fact, there, there are quite a few of them. And they're um, apparently so many that they come to the senior prophet, who was Elijah. 
And they ask Elijah for permission to build a larger place to meet. And they ask Elijah to accompany them to the river in order to get logs for the project, okay? And so we pick up the story here. It says, when they arrived at the Jordan, they began to work. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, suddenly his iron axe head fell in the water. I want you to picture the guy's working. He's cutting down trees. He's swinging his axe. And all of a sudden, the head of the axe goes flying, hits the water, and it sinks to the bottom. And, and this guy gets really upset because, first of all, in biblical times, having an iron axe head, big deal. There weren't very many of them. And secondly, we're going to find out it was borrowed. He says, what do I do, sir? He exclaimed to Elijah, it was a borrowed axe head. Where did it fall? Elijah asked. The man showed him the place, and Elijah cut, cut off a stick, threw it in the water, and made the axe head float. Take it out, he ordered. And the man reached down and picked it up. And that's the story. I mean, why, why is that story in the Bible? You know, I think it's there to, to teach us some spiritual truths about what to do in our lives when we lose our cutting edge in life. And although this story is about an actual axe head, it, it represents spiritual power, that, that cutting edge that we're talking about. I mean, what do you do when you've lost your spiritual passion? When you're living in a desert, spiritually it's just dry. You, you don't feel close to God. You, you don't sense God's presence in, in your life. I mean, what do you do? When you feel like you're lifting prayers to heaven, but they're not connecting, what do you do when you lose that edge? Well, first of all, you need to admit you lost. You know, admit that you lost it, that, that it's gone. It is imperative in your spiritual walk that you do spiritual assessments from time to time where you step back and take a look at your life. You, you stop living in denial. Uh, you face the reality of what's going on in your spiritual walk. It, it just admit that you're not as close to God as you used to be. You know, the scripture says, as one of them was cutting down a tree, suddenly his iron axe head fell in the water. What shall I do, sir? He exclaimed to Elijah. It was a borrowed axe head. You know, first, this guy admits it. He admits it. He, he didn't have to, but he tells someone else. He tells them that he lost his cutting edge. And I was thinking about, you know, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have used that as an excuse to, to quit working. Say, I lost my cutting edge. I'll let someone else do the work. He went over and had a seat. You know, I met Christians like that. I'm just not as close to God as I used to be. I'll let someone else serve now. I deserve a break. You know, I'm tired. I'm just going to back off and kind of coast. After all, I've lost my cutting edge. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. I mean, he, he also could have pretended. He could have pretended that he still had it. You know, kept chopping. Can you imagine that? No axe head, but he's just swinging the handle. Yeah. I'll keep swinging it. 
maybe nobody will notice that I've lost the cutting edge here. Nobody will see it. I mean, Christians do this all the time. You know, I'll keep pretending like everything's okay, like I've got it all together. I'm not going to admit it to anyone. I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm not as close to God as I used to be. You know, I'm not going to tell anyone that I've lost my spiritual passion, that cutting edge. In fact, I'll just keep working really fast and furious, and I'll run here and there, and I'll be a lot of commotion and motion. But friends, let me tell you something about that. That's a lot of sweat, not much productivity when the passion's really gone. I mean, I'll tell you, there, there are certain things that I find very painful. I've told you before, I'm an observer. I watch people. And it is painful to watch Christians who have lost their cutting edge that are just going through the motions, pretending that they're close to God when they're not. I mean, it's just tough to watch. It's just tough to watch. There's a story in the Old Testament. I love the story of, of Samson. You know, in fact, uh, there's so many Old Testament stories just jazz me, but it's a sad story. I mean, he, he was the strongest man on the planet at that time, and he had this pr- tremendous potential. And in fact, God had great plans for Samson. But because sin got in his life and got him turned sideways, he ends up wasting most of his life. And I think it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. You can read the story. It's in Judges 16. But it says, Samson lost all his power, but he didn't know it. No clue. No idea. And my question today is, have you lost your spiritual cutting edge? You know, have you lost your spiritual passion? I mean, how do you know when you've lost it? Well, a couple things. One, you you start losing heart in in life. Things uh, don't move you like they used to. Your love for God kind of grows cold and distant. You sit through a service like this and you go, eh, that didn't really do anything for me. You know, eh, that didn't really speak to me. And friends, not only have you lost your fire, but you find you've lost the spark. I mean, Jesus said it this way in Revelations 2. He says, but I do have something against you. And it's this. You don't have as much love as you used to. Think about where you've fallen from and then turn back and do as you did when? At the first. It says you've lost your love. I mean, that's what happens when you get in a spiritual rut in life. Suddenly, you are serving out of duty. You're doing it because it's the right thing. And don't misunderstand me. Sometimes you have to push through. But the problem is there's no joy. There's there's no energy. There's no excitement. You know, first you start losing heart, and then it goes deeper. It spirals, and you start losing your faith. I mean, the, the longer you're in that kind of a slump, you know, watch out, you know. The psalmist, uh, David, writes and says, I had almost stopped believing. I had almost lost my faith. Do you know what happens when you lose your passion? Well, you stop taking risks. Your, your vision shrinks. 
You lose a vision for what God wants to do in your life. You, you start playing everything safe. Everything gets predictable. You, you settle for less than the best. You stop stretching yourself. You kind of stagnate. You stop growing in, in your faith. And you stop, stop reaching out in faith. You, you stop taking those faith steps that keep you fresh. And you just back off and, and live a comfortable little existence that's safe and very, very small. And you play the part of a Christian. Because you're not really that close to God. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, okay, that's me. You know, I, I, I've lost my love. You know, I, I understand where I'm at. In fact, I, I'm losing my faith, maybe. And friends, I want to tell you, you may be weary Problems may be stacked up in your life. Circumstances may be beating you up and beating you down. You may have lost your joy. But here's the key question you need to ask yourself. Have you ever been closer to God than you are right now? And if your answer is yes... I'm going to ask you a second question that's even more critical. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And I know when we're asked something like that, you know, for some they're going, well, I know things aren't right. You know, I, I know I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I mean, I can't feel God's presence in my life. I don't like it. But I guess I'll just have to settle for it. Have to settle for less than the best. You know what I want to say? That is a lousy way to live. That is a lousy way to live. I mean, the first step in reconnecting, getting out of that spiritual funk, so to speak, is to admit it. Just admit it. This might be the most difficult step is admitting that we're caught, that we're not moving forward. And to just humbly say, God, I've lost it. I've lost it. You know, to just say, God, I've lost my joy, I've lost my enthusiasm, I've lost that, that passion, that cutting edge. God, I want it back. I want you to reignite the passion in my heart. I want you to change things. I want it back. I want to feel your presence in, in my life. Just admit it. Just admit it. And then acknowledge the place where you lost it. You know, in the story, the, the guy, he identifies the spot where he lost his cutting edge. Scripture says, uh, where did it fall, Elijah asked. The man showed him the place. The, the Hebrew here really says the exact spot where it was. I mean, do you know where you lost your spiritual edge? Do you know where you lost that passion you know, there, there are many reasons we lose that passion. I'm just going to fire off a, a few of them here. Busyness, busyness, you will lose your passion if you get too busy, get distracted. 
you know, when you're busy running and doing this and that, we, we tend to get going so fast that we forget God. In fact, it's easy to go several hours and not think about God. In fact, several days, in fact, several weeks, and not even think about God. We're just cruising along, and everything's going fine, and we're happy, we're enjoying life, no thought of God whatsoever. We're not, we're not even thinking about it. And then, sometimes, we get in a pinch, get in a crisis. Oh, I need God. I need God. And then, off we go again after God takes care of that. And, and friends, that's just sad. It's just sad. We get so busy. It is easy to get distracted in this world. In fact, I would say this to you. You can even get so busy serving God that, that you're, it keeps you from loving God and having a relationship with God. Disobedience. That'll mess you up. You know, not doing what God wants you to do. You know, when God presses me, I'll speak for myself here, but when God presses me to do something or to not do something, if I ignore that prompting, kind of push it aside, or some, some of us do it this way, okay, God, I'll get to it. You know, it is an automatic disconnect like that. I mean, I find I can't worship when I'm like that. What have you been procrastinating about in your spiritual walk? What is it that you know God wants you to do that you're not doing? You know, getting in a small group, serving, giving, reading your Bible, praying daily, you know, extending forgiveness to someone. Understand, resentment resentment can disconnect you from God. In fact, I, I would argue that resentment and anger will seriously affect your edge spiritually. I mean, how about the other side? What do you know that God wants you to stop doing that you're still doing? Because that will disconnect you. When, when we're on a road that God doesn't want us on, when we're playing with sin... It affects the edge big time. Here's my advice. If God tells you to do something or tells you to stop doing something, start right away, whatever it is he asks. Pride, pride will get in your way. Relying on your own power, it'll affect the edge spiritually. You know, when, when I get presumptuous, you know, I stop depending on God. And it messes up my thinking big time. You know, I start thinking, you know, I can live the Christian life without praying every day. You know, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I mean, I can make it on my own. And friends, when I, when I get arrogant, self-reliant, presumptuous, think I don't need to worship, suddenly I find myself disconnected from God. The fact is, we are not meant to live in this world on our own power. We need God's power. We, we were created by God to need his power in our lives. That's why we're wired for worship, because it is a direct link to that power source. We need God's power in our lives. Carelessness and laziness. 
This comes with a really high cost. You know, this is when we get careless with our, our spiritual life. We, we stop doing uh, the things that keep us close, you know, like fellowshipping with, with other Christians. Uh, we begin to hit and miss when it comes to weekly worship. We push worship aside. Think, oh, I don't need it. I'll be okay. And you just get lazy with it. You know, we get lazy with, with tithing or sharing or those things that keep your heart warm. And friends, when you get lazy in your spiritual life, disconnect again. First, you've got, you got to admit, say, God, I've lost the edge. I've lost that spiritual passion. I'm not as close as I used to be. Acknowledge the place where you lost it. And then you begin to, to start getting on track. I mean, I'd encourage you to get really specific in your life about where you lost the spiritual edge, to think back through, through the past years. And, you know, I, I just mentioned four things, but there are a lot of things. Anger will mess you up, fear, fatigue. I mean, you can get so tired physically that it's really hard to spend time with God you know, a relationship can lead you away. Hobbies can lead you away. Uh, your goals for life may lead you away spiritually, uh, making money. And, and if you're still not sure what it is for you, just ask God. Just say, God, I need help. I am very confused right now. I feel very alone right now. Help me figure it out. Help me find my way back to you. So admit acknowledge, and then expect. Expect restoration. And this is where faith comes in. You know, I must believe that God can and will restore me, that God will bring me back into that close relationship with him, that he will give me back what I lost. You know, the scripture says, uh, Elijah cut off a stick, threw it in the water, and made the axe head float. Elijah cuts a stick, throws it in the water, the axe head floats to the top of the water. And I was like, okay, so what's so significant about that? I mean, the stick had no power. In fact, I would argue that he could have thrown a penny in. They didn't have pennies back then, but if they had, he could have thrown a penny in. Could have thrown a rock in. It really was just a visual statement, a public statement of faith. He says, I am going to do something that shows that I believe God will restore what this guy's lost. Elijah is not doing a David Blaine kind of thing, you know. He wasn't a magician, you know, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat kind of thing. He was demonstrating faith. He says, I expect that God will give this guy back what he lost. And when I read that, that miracle, and I know some of you, maybe you read it, uh, you go, I don't know about that. But I don't have a problem with this miracle because I, I look at it this way. I figure if God created all the iron in the universe, that if he decided that a couple ounces of iron could float, he could. Or if he decided that he wanted to suspend the, the laws of gravity, it was a miracle the axe head came back. So, so what's the point? What's the point of the whole story? God 
specializes in doing the impossible. We see it over and over through Scripture. Jesus said this way, humanly speaking, it is impossible. Read with me. But with God, everything is possible. What, what is it that seems impossible in your life today? I mean, some of you are going, well, I, I can never be close to God like I was at one time. You are wrong on that. Some of you are like, well, I don't think God could ever bless me. I mean, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You're wrong. I, I could never be used by God to, to do that. I mean, I'm just this tiny, little, bitty, insignificant person without any talent. You are wrong. Some of you are, God couldn't give me his grace, his mercy, his power, his presence in my life. It will never happen. And friends, you are absolutely wrong. Absolutely. God specializes in doing the impossible God steps into lives all the time. Jeremiah says, this is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will. I want you to notice, it says, I will. It doesn't say, I might, or I'm going to need to think about it a little bit. He says, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. That's a promise. Some of you ought to write that down, put it on your refrigerator. That is a promise to believers. Don't raise your hand, but is anybody tired of acting like you got it all together and inside you're just dry and dead? Anybody tired of flailing around with an axe handle? exhausted, worn out, you have no cutting edge, but man, you're swinging for all you're worth. You know, if you're doing that, all I got to say is good luck cutting down the tree. You know, it's no wonder you're wore out. It's no wonder you're tired in your life because you're dependent on your power. You don't, you don't have God's power in, in your life. You notice in the, the story, the, the guy that talks about it, the axe, uh, he, he says it's borrowed. It's borrowed. Somebody forgot to turn off their phone, didn't they? And I think it's coming out of my bag. <laughs> that is way wrong. <laughs> God's funny sometimes. <laughs> the axe head's borrowed. Do you know that everything, everything in your life is borrowed? It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Nothing belongs to you. It's all on loan. You brought nothing into this world. You'll take nothing out of this world. You get to use it for 60, 70, 80, maybe, maybe 100 years if you're lucky. But when you die, God's going to loan it to someone else. It's all God's. All creation belongs to God. The power you have in your life, borrowed, 
it is not your power. You would not take a breath if the creator of this universe decided you weren't going to take a breath. It's all God's. God's strength, God's might, God's power, God's design. You are designed and created to rely on the creator of this universe to allow him to infuse you with his power. You are wired to worship. Worship the one who's loaned you everything. Here's the good news today. You can reconnect. You can plug back into God's power. You can break out of that spiritual rut in your life. I mean, how do you do it? Friends, you run back to God. You run. You don't walk. You don't meander. You don't lollygag. You run with everything in you as fast as you can. God has the grace. God has the power. God has the energy. God has the mercy to restore you. Final step here to restoring your spiritual edge. And this step requires some effort on your part. In other words, do not expect that you can sit back, relax, and do nothing and get it. Because you have to reach out and receive it. You know, you admit that you've lost it. You identify when or where you lost it. Expect God to restore it. And then you reach out and you grab it. You take it. I mean, God wants to give you that. I mean, by his grace, our scripture uh, says, Elijah says, take it out, he ordered. And the man reached down and he picked it up. Now, I don't want you to miss something here. This miracle, God could have very easily brought the piece of iron from the bottom of the Jordan to the top of the water. And God could have very easily brought it another 10 feet, you know, taken it out of the water, through the air, and put it in the guy's hand. God could have done that. I have no doubt about it. But he didn't. He brought it to the top, put it in view, and he says, now you reach in. And you grab it. I mean, what's the point? You have to do your part. You have to do your part. Back to the Revelation passage that we looked at earlier. But I do have something against you. And it is this. You don't have as much love as you used to. Think about where you've fallen from. And then turn back and do as you did at the first. Remember what it was like when you were close to God. Maybe it was when you were first saved, you know, first gave your life to Christ. Think about how far you've fallen. In other words, think about what it was like to be close to God. Think about what it, how good it was to be close to God at the center of God's will with a clear conscience. You know, think about what it was like when you had a lot of joy because you knew you were connected to the God of this universe And then it says, remember, when you remember that, then you will turn 
and do as you did at first. In other words, three-step process just to remember where you've fallen from, to turn back and start doing what you did at first when you were close to God, to, to begin to return to that first love. I mean, th- this is key in any relationship. You, I cannot tell you how many times I've had someone catch me after a service or give me a call, and the, the conversation will start something like, uh, well, Pastor, I, I just don't love him anymore. I just don't love her anymore. And it, you know, if you've ever come and said that to me, that I'll say something to the extent of, so, you don't love him anymore, huh? You know, love isn't uncontrollable. Now, I'm going to hurt the romantics here. Love's a choice. It's a choice. So you've chosen not to love them. Now, I understand he may have done something really dumb. You may have done something dumb. Whatever. Love is always a choice. And so if you can choose not to love them, you can just as easily choose to love them. And friends, how do you restore, let's take marriage for a minute, how do you restore a marriage that's gone dead? What's the three things we just talked about? You think back, you remember what it was like when you were first married or when you were first dating. You remember why you fell in love in the first place, what it was that attracted you, that excited you. You remember the good times. And then you turn and go back. See, it's a step forward. And you start doing what you did at the first. You know why things go south? Because we stop doing what we did in the beginning. You know, we stop sending flowers. We stop picking up the phone and calling them in the middle of the day. We stop spending time together like we did when we were first in love. And friends, it's the same thing in your relationship with Jesus Christ and with God. You need to do the stuff you did when you were so in love with God, when you were close to God, when when the fires were alive. And if you do not get anything else this morning, I want you to get this one thing. You are as close to God as you choose to be. And want to be. You can't blame it on anyone else. You can't blame it on your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your parents or the dog or whatever. You can't blame it on your situation. You can't blame it on your schedule. You can't blame it on your vocation. You are as close to God as you choose to be. If you're not close to God, they say, guess who moved? wasn't God. You have got to reach out with passion, with that first love, you know, in in fellowship, in, in worship like we did this morning, in prayer, in Bible study. People who are connected to God, people who are blessed by God, people who have God's power in their life and are used by God, do you know what they, why they have that? Because they desire it. They crave it. They run after it. You know why God uses me? Because I want that more than anything in this world. There isn't anything 
that comes close to my desire to know God and love God and be used by God. There isn't anything, nothing close. It's a choice I've made in my life. Do you want God to bless you? Do you want God to perform miracles in your life? Do you want God's presence in your life? Do you want God's power in your life? You just have to make a choice. Because people, people who are blessed by God and used by God, desire it with all their heart. And they reach out, friends, and they grab it. They take it. The psalmist says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body, and soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. Do you long to be that close to God? Or is it more like this? Hey, I'll see if I could fit you in sometime this week, maybe. Looks like I might have an opening about midweek, but I'll get back to you, okay? Which way is it? Because, friends, God will not accept second place in your life, let alone third or fourth or fifth in, in your life. God deserves your best. God made you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And if you are going to connect with God, you've got to put him in that first spot. You know, do not miss God's purpose for your life. The the only way out of that spiritual rut, if you're in it, the only way to get that spiritual passion, that edge back, is fall in love again. To go back to what you did at the first when you were close to God. The psalmist says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. Friends, it all flows back. Everything in life flows back to the creator of this universe. To the God who made you, designed you. It all flows back to worship. That's why we're wired. We are wired to worship the God that is in power of all things. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, we praise you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. And God, I know there are some here today that Things are just dry. They've been going through the motions. God, I pray you'd light a fire. That they'd leave this service and run after you. God, I know there are others that things are burning white hot. They are just a deep passion for you. And God, I pray you'd keep igniting and reigniting. God, we would not get caught up in all the rituals and the routines that we would live a life of faith. Keeps us fresh, wondering. Keeps us leaning on you. God, it's all yours. 
we thank you for every opportunity you give us. We give you the praise and we sing your praises. And God's people said,